All right. Welcome back. This is East Coast Adventures with the Dirt and Burt podcast. I'm David. And I'm Matt. And we have a special guest today, Lauren Jones, who just finished uh, No Business 100 with an incredible story and an incredible finish, actually, this year as well. But before we get into that, Lauren, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into running and ultra running? Hey, hi. Thanks for having me. Um, let's see how I got into running. Um, I think I was peer pressured into it by a friend of mine. I lived in Baltimore at the time, and uh, she made me go out and run with her uh, just for exercise, just to like stay active. And I thought she was killing me when we did like three miles. <laughs> Uh, and we like slowly worked up and I think we did as much as seven and I couldn't believe like how long I had been outside running. Um, and she's actually the person that got me to do like my first road half marathon. Um, and then I, I think that race like let me realize how much I loved running and racing and the whole thing. And it just kind of took off from there. Um, what, what year was that? That was probably 2011, 12 ish, somewhere around there. Yeah. And yeah, and I that was a, that was a three mile run. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like I was dying. And and now you're running hundred milers and two hundred milers. So yeah, yeah, what a change. And, uh, it progressed. Was was there any running in your background at all before then? Not at all. I hated it. Um, <laughs> I was not athletic at all. I like to have zero hand-eye coordination, didn't play any sports. Um, I did ballet like growing up and I joined the track team uh, in middle school because a lot of my friends did, but I didn't do any running events. I hated it. I did the high jump, um, which I was terrible at, but at least I got to hang out with my friends at practice. <laughs> yep. Well, that's awesome. What a, so you started really taking it serious probably 2014, 2015 then? Is that when you started like actually racing? Yeah, that's when I did um, a road marathon. I did, let me see, I've done three total road marathons and realized that I really like it and the longer the better. And so that's how I ended up just like Google searching what else is there beyond a marathon? And then I, then I like stumbled into this like trail scene. Um, and then I did my first 50 K, uh, in 2015, absolutely loved it and never looked back. <laughs> what, uh, what 50 K did you choose to do as your first one? Um, it was just a small local one. It's called the guts fat ass 50 K. It's like with the local guts, uh, running group out at Sweetwater Creek. Um, it's like okay. right okay. after new year's, um, it's fun. It's just like five loops that you do. It was great. <laughs> Well, I've, I've got to ask you this question because everybody's got this story. Um, so you, you sign up and you do a marathon. What did you learn from that experience? Cause you know, from my, you know, from everything that I've seen and, you know, even with me and Matt, you know, your first big race, usually you, you learn a lot. Oh yeah. Usually it's what not to do. So, um, yeah. <laughs> what, how did your first big race go? Um, it went okay. I did it in Denver where my brother was living at the time. So going from like Atlanta to Denver was a little tough. So I learned that altitude is a thing. Um, but other than that, I honestly had such a great time and realized like you can do so much more than you think you can. Like it may seem crazy. I couldn't possibly fathom running 26 miles. Um, but then like you do it and it's fun and it's, 
I don't know. Then it just made me want to see like, what else can I do? Yeah. Well, you, you've definitely taken that to the next level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so after the 50 K, what did you just progressively jump into more and more races and more miles? Or did you have a strategy? Like I wanted to do a 50, so I trained and a hundred, or did you just go full force? Um, I was really intimidated by the hundred milers. And so I stuck around the 50 K 50 mile mark for a really long time. I actually met a really good friend of mine, uh, John, who had run a bunch of races, including the Leadville 100. And he kind of like coached me through all my first like big mountain runs. And we did my first night run together. And he had all the, he had the, this Leadville buckle that he would show me. And I just like was so intimidated by that. Uh, so I was like way too scared to even think about attempting a hundred miler for a while. So I stuck around the 50 milers for quite a while. What do you think your favorite distance is? Uh, definitely the longer, the better. Hundreds are really fun. It's an indifferent, it's a different kind of mentality. It's like, this may sound really silly, but it's kind of like sprinting for a hundred miles. It's like such a fast race, um, versus like the 200, 250 kind of race. It's just a very different format and a very different environment. Mm. I really like the multi-day things because it comes down not to just like physical ability, but like also strategy becomes big in those things. And that's really fun to piece together. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of strategy in a multi-day race. Me and Matt learned that the hard way this year in yeah, both states. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, so you've, you did the Cocodona 250, is that correct? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so was that your first multi-day race? It was my first multi-day race. I had attempted a multi-day FKT that I didn't finish prior to that, which got me really interested in the multi-day racing and made me think that maybe I could like do okay at these. And so that's how I, and then I watched the live stream for the first year of Cocodona, uh, like not long after I had failed at my attempt. And so I was like, yep, I'm in, let's do it. Uh, and it's awesome. And Cocodona is a, incredible experience i highly recommend it was that a fkt was it the uh, pinhoti it was yeah yeah which is 350 miles i started um i was going northbound so i started in alabama going north uh, i wanted to finish on like i'm a lot more familiar with the georgia side of the pinhoti because it's closer to mm -hmm. me so i wanted to finish on the trails that i know really well um yeah, I made it really far. I made it like 280 miles um, and still below the time, but I had just a horrible tendon um, flare up. It was mm. like really painful. Um, it like the last 50 miles or so, it was like just awfully painful. And I was in a pretty fragile mental state and I let it kind of take over. So I didn't make it, but, but I learned a lot for sure. I learned that I like approached it completely wrong and, uh, revamped my entire game plan for coconut <laughs> so what, what when you say you learned you did it really wrong what what was your big takeaways like from that experience because i know i had plenty from ball state i'm just curious to your take <laughs> um i had this grand idea that i would make really big miles every day sleep for like three or four hours like be you know well rested or whatever <laughs> um and just get up just and keep like doing it 
yeah and it's and i had all these like aid stops where i had my crew meet me way too often so i was just wasting a ton of time hanging out with my crew mm -hmm. taking way too long at each little stop but then the sleep just wasn't helpful to me um like just getting three hours of sleep is not nearly enough sleep so i just woke up feeling worse than when i had before i'd slept um maybe like super emotional and just like in a really bad mental state and i didn't feel like it was a good use of time um so for Gokudona, i didn't really plan to sleep at anywhere like specific uh, it was more just like take a little five minute trail nap when you like can't keep your eyes open anymore um obviously like limiting aid station time is huge and then just just moving you know if you can just keep moving you can uh make up a lot of time for sure so sleep was the main thing yeah don't don't sleep well, yeah. <laughs> well it sounds like your strategy was exactly like our strategy at Vol state and it didn't work nice. we learned a lot i mean <laughs> nice. um, you're, you basically just fail you know, every day until you, until you finally figure it out. And like, that was the thing with Ball State is, is I melted down and kind of had the same issue you did at, at Pinhoti. Like I was having a terrible pain in the lower part of my leg. Um, I don't know if it was tendon or what, but I, I had never practiced walking. You know, I was all confident that I was going to oh, run a yeah. hundred miles a day and I was going to sleep four hours a day, you know, and like, I'm, be, I'm like, yeah, right. check, be done in three days. And when that plan went, down um so did i and then like day four mm -hmm. I, I you know finally figured out what i was doing wrong and you know you just you just <laughs> like fail until you don't and then you're trying to figure out how to put it back together and and luckily uh i didn't quit i had a lot of thoughts in my head to quit on like day three four uh four i was finally back to normal but day three was terrible and it was because i didn't sleep oh really okay <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just like yeah. you said, you get in a, you know, when you don't have a lot of sleep, it you mentally you just you're not prepared for things to go wrong and it can just destroy you. Yeah, for sure. I think the mental state for the multi day is an entirely different mindset and approach to it all. And I wasn't prepared for it. Um, you know, like deep into day one, realizing that I was still going to be out there like three and four days from now was something I like, I couldn't process and get in my head and then yeah as soon as stuff goes wrong being able to stay like aware and, and like in the moment and not let that get you down is so hard um so being able to like mentally be flexible it's really helpful but it's really hard <laughs> how do you how do you cope with that what do you do do you have any any mantras you say or do you just go to try to go somewhere in your head that you know is peaceful to you like what's what's your reaction to that um i do i do sometimes i do really well with it and sometimes i don't do really well so um it's still hit or miss and still a game i'm trying to figure <laughs> out with myself but um so i don't totally know but i think the most helpful thing is to like stay present stay in the moment stay in the mile that you're in yeah. don't think about two days from now or three days from now or a hundred miles from now it's overwhelming um, it is even like even just for a hundred mile race thinking 70 miles down the trail is like very overwhelming um so if i can keep those thoughts out and just stay like where i am it's a lot easier and then just not letting when you don't 
you know, when you don't achieve what you thought you were going to do, when you have like that fail for the day, not letting that completely ruin your mindset is really helpful because getting negative is really hard to crawl back out of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny at uh, Vol State. There was a guy he had, he, he was kind of like us. I want, um, he had, he had a goal and it was funny. He had all kinds of issues on like day four. Uh, he ended up walking barefoot on the concrete because his feet oh were gosh. so bad but it was so funny because he would be posting on facebook and like it was the same thing he was saying a plan's gone down to b yeah. plan b plan is is has uh sunk to the bottom of the ocean we're on c plan c plan has uh, been buried now we're on d plan and then it was like now we're just trying to survive and i mean he still yeah, finished he, and he held on awesome. but it was just so funny um to see, you know, his progression and how he handled it. And he did great, but you're oh, exactly yeah. right. I think it's something you figure out every race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. In some races, so you know it, your... in some races, you don't. That's exactly right. Uh, how was your, um, I know Matt's already been ultra sign up stalking oh, yeah. you, but stalking oh, how God. was her finish at Cocodona? <laughs> uh, I think it was like uh 10th overall in second place, maybe second place female. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you, you really learned from Pinhoti and took that to heart. And it sounds like you, you know, you, you really come full force into Cocodona and you put it all out there. And I mean, you had an amazing result. I mean, 10th yeah. overall second place female. Absolutely amazing. That's, that's How did that good. feel? Thank you. Yeah, that one was good. I rode that high for a long time. Um, still am. <laughs> it was, that was just an incredible experience all around. I went into it. Um, incredibly disappointed from my failed FKT and it's like really wanting to prove that I could I learned a lot and then I could do better than what I had done um, I was just incredibly disappointed by, by my failed FKT um, so it was like a really good driving force to to go into this with everything I had um, and I just thought it would you know I just really wanted to have fun and honestly I stayed like mentally very positive throughout the entire time um which was like a feat in itself um but i think it helped so much because there was so much uh there were so many like places you could get really low that course is a beast in so many different ways um yeah i just stayed really positive and uh the, com the competition like being out there versus like the fkt where you're just racing a clock and having the actual competition of people out there was really fun um and motivating and it keeps you going for sure um yeah i i don't know how i managed to stay so positive there's one part where on paper you do this really big climb around about mile 100 um and then it has this really long like 13 mile descent into the city of jerome and on paper it looks like this lovely break from this like really gnarly climb afterwards and it was not that at all it was so rocky and this like really <laughs> narrow super cambered trail that like if you slipped you would just like fall off to your death like a thousand feet down oh wow um so it was terrifying and really slow going and not the descent i came for and i was in a really awful mood by the time i got down to my crew at jerome um yeah i thought like that mentally wore you down just like seeing yeah. that the whole time <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was, that was rough, <laughs> really rough. Um, so I was definitely in a really bad mood when I got there. I took a quick little nap, regrouped, and then like just had to put it out of my head and just like continue on. I had passed um, 
several girls on the climb up there. And so I was like really focused and trying to keep my positions. That's when I took second place and I just wanted to stay there, you know? And so, um, yeah. And then I was like happy and fine the rest of the time. It was just that one, that one piece that on paper looked so nice and it wasn't. <laughs> I, w I was watching some of those clips that you had shared on your uh, Instagram and I think, I guess it was the live stream that you had shared some of the clips. And oh, yeah. Every time, yeah. every time you shared those, you you look so happy. You're just sitting there eating your food or getting your drink, and you just, you know, they're talking to you through the through the live stream. But you looked happy the whole time. Yeah, I really was. Um, that was like a huge win for me. Just like not only just the result being so good, but that I was able to stay present and happy there. But yeah, I was I was having a good time. <laughs> it was the naps, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I took several. Um, <laughs> Like little five minute dirt naps, like just when I couldn't hold my eyes open anymore, I would just like lay down, set my phone timer for five minutes. That was like more helpful than anything. Just to like reset, get to close your eyes for a second. And I felt so much better. I would just pop up and like keep going and just, that was, uh, I, I think that's the I, way I'll do it from now on. <laughs> that's what I figured out at Vol State. Uh, eventually you just, those little five to 10 minute naps, they seem like they work better than those three hour where you're just laying everything out and then you're getting revamped back up and putting everything back together, then going back out. But those little five or 10 minute naps, it just, a switch would go off and you'd get back up and you just kept going. I figured that out the last couple of days. The first few <laughs> days it didn't work. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah, I think that's the secret, but I don't know. Yeah. That's doesn't work for everybody. I think everybody has their own little secret, but I, that's my thing. Well, you got to figure out what works for you, you know, and it's, it's, it, there's a lot of truth and you just fail until you don't, you yeah. you just got to keep figuring it right. out. So right. one thing I have to ask is what was your, what was your favorite food at Cocodona? You know, we've, that's uh, <laughs> becoming a staple here on this, this podcast. Uh, one of the gentlemen that did a really good result at Hennepin. He, uh, he lived the entire time on Sour Patch Kids and caffeine. So I'm just curious of what, <laughs> what your fueling strategy was. Um, so it was really sad. Unfortunately, like the, the aid stations are known for having like incredible food at Cocodona. Um, but they didn't really have it out that much for like the front runners. And so I would mm. get to aid stations. They didn't really have much. Um, luckily I had a crew instead of, um, Remember, uh, I don't know if there's anything specific in that race that I ate. Um, I had some beef jerky for the first time in a race <laughs> at the top of the climb, and that was pretty tasty. <laughs> it's like really salty. It was like super chewy, and it like took all my effort to like chew this beef jerky, which kept my mind off of all the blisters and all the other things. Like, it kept my mind occupied. I think it was it was a nice little treat. Yeah, while, but I definitely while your jaws are getting. Yeah, while your jaws are getting sore, like. <laughs> yeah, it was really tough, uh, but the salt tasted so good. Oh, that's awesome. I did have, at the top of the very last climb, um, like eight miles from the finish, I got up to the top and like completely solidified my place where I was going to finish. And I just had eight miles left to go like downhill into uh, Flagstaff. And I was just so excited to finally get to that aid station, which seemed like it would never come on the top of Mount Eldon. 
and I got up there and they had Modelo. So I had a, a beer at the very top of Mount Eldon and that was awesome. <laughs> There's something to be said about a beer in an ultra, especially a really long ultra. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. So good. It was so good. <laughs> so, so good. Those carbs hit pretty instant too. That's what I love about it. Yes. Well, I was fired let's, up uh, and ready to get those last eight done. So was that the only beer you had? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I like it sounded good. People kept offering, but I was like, I don't know. I got so far to go. Let's let's do it later. Yeah, some people slamming fireball and uh, chugging beers in a hundred miler. I'm like, maybe one. The finish. We'll go to finish. There you go. Well, let's uh, let's switch gears for a minute and, and talk about no business because I think this is just a really cool story. Um, mm-hmm. to talk about last year and this year. So if you don't care, can you tell us, uh, especially the listeners, I kind of already know a little bit of the story, but will you let, you know, let the listeners know uh, how last year's race went and, you know, this year. Um, and also just, was there anything you did different, you know, like last year to this year, preparing mentally, physically for the race? Um, but I just think it's a really cool story. So I want everybody to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so last year I, it was my last race for the season and I had already done, um, the cold water rumble 100 and then Cocodona obviously, and then really well gotten like a PR in the hundred miler by like three hours there. Uh, I was second place to Andy Hughes in both of those. Um, he was like, you know, kind of a name. So it was cool. Yeah. It was a great season. And then I was really excited to come back and do like a more local race and end on like a really cool hundred miler here. Um, so I trained, I felt really fit and I was just really excited and the day started off great. The weather was perfect. Uh, I was feeling really strong and, uh, really happy and really good. Um, I'd gone through a bit of a low point kind of early, like 20, 25 miles, just like the realization of I still have 80 miles to go. Um, but I'd worked through that and was like in a really happy, great place. And, uh, I was running really strong. I was in first place. I think I was like third or fourth overall, um, leaving the mile 40 or like 35. I forget what the numbers were, but around mile 40. Uh, so I left the aid station around mile 40. I had stopped to look at my phone because, uh, I couldn't find a trail marker and I just wasn't sure if I was going the right way or not. And so I was looking at my phone and, and continuing to move. Um, and I just tripped super awkwardly, um, and instead of falling forward, like I normally do, I fell like sideways, but my foot stayed where it was. And, uh, yeah, my, I heard my ankle crack and I like knew immediately it was broken. Uh, of course I tried to convince myself it wasn't. Um, so I like laid there for a second, cried for a second. I like got myself up and I was like, it's fine. It's just sprained. I like popped a couple ibuprofen, which you're not supposed to have. It's okay. Um, <laughs> popped a couple of those. I was like, that'll kick in in a minute. I'll just walk it off. It'll feel fine in a minute. So I kept trying to like hobble down the trail and it just like wasn't going super great. I uh, wasn't able to really put any weight on it and it was really painful. So I sat on a log. I found a stream with some water, sat on a log and like soaked my ankle in the ice cold water. Thinking that would help my, sp- my sprain um, feel better. I cried a lot. Um, and I just kind of sat there and I just knew that like my race was over and, uh, like 
was just grieving that loss and trying to process that loss, I think. And so it took me a really, I sat there for like 20 or 30 minutes, just kind of like crying. And like, I knew as soon as I started going back the other way that my race was like over. So I didn't want to take that step back. Um, so I just like sat there. <laughs> and, uh, it was about a three mile hike back to Duncan Hollow aid station. Um, there's zero cell service out there. And it was like seven miles forward to the next aid station the other way with no crew access. Um, so I knew I needed to turn back. So then I started hobbling back. It's just getting more and more painful and like harder and harder to walk on. Um, one of my friends, I finally started like seeing runners coming the other way. And, uh, one of my friends, Michael stopped and ripped off a tree limb for me, like a fresh tree limb to use as a stick. <laughs> Cause all the sticks on the side of the trail were just like crumbling. Um, so that was really helpful. And yeah, I just kind of like very slowly made the three mile trek back up that climb. That's Duncan hollow, which is not an awesome climb, especially on a broken ankle. No, uh, not at it all. was like kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of nice. I was like saw a bunch of friends and like every every single runner was like so sweet and gave me hugs and everyone offered to like walk back to the aid station with me and I like wouldn't let anybody do it because they can't carry me. It's not gonna help me get there, but it's gonna ruin their race, you know. So mm -hmm. every single person offered, which was really sweet. Um, and then I saw, I looked over it when I was like midway up the climb up Duncan Hollow. There's a bear and her mom, her like cubs with her sitting right there and i was like this is exactly what they talk about i'm injured i can't move i'm gonna be like bear food you know? <laughs> um, so i was like don't just stay over there <laughs> uh, i was like i'm like crying the whole time like the entire three mile way i'm like sobbing crying i can't see where i'm going really and whatever i finally i finally got up there and um on my way on my way back, I'd met a runner and her pacer and they offered to call for help, but of course didn't have cell service. So the pacer said if they got further down the trail and got cell service, they would call ahead, which I guess they must've gotten service. Uh, Cause the aid station had like a ride waiting for me when I got there, which was incredible um, and really sweet. So they trucked me out of there and brought me back to, I think Bandy Creek is where they brought me and then had a call my crew, my fiance was there. He was waiting at the next aid station. Uh, so I had no way yet to like tell him that like I've dropped, you know, I'm sure he's seeing runners coming in, has no idea. Like he just saw me, I looked great. I felt great. Like we're like, bye, see ya. Uh, so I was like stressed about him not having any idea where I was. So we finally hooked up, but um, yeah, it was a emotional roller coaster. I was like on top of the world having the race of my life. And then suddenly was not able to walk anywhere. So, yeah, it was immensely disappointing, to say the least. Uh, yeah. I'd never broken a bone. Um, there was just a lot there. But um, I had just turned 40 in July, and the race was in October. And so I was like, of course I turned 40 and break my leg, you know. Um, but then I also thought, like, there's no way, like, you don't come back at 40. Like, you don't build back from, like, the best fitness ever at 40 years old. Like this is, this is it. My like running's over, you know? And so I just kind of went like a pretty deep, dark place for a while there. Um, I couldn't put weight on my leg for like almost three months. Um, I lost every bit of fitness I possibly ever had. Like I lost all the muscles in my leg and my foot and my ankle. Um, yeah, it was a dark place. Um, then yeah, I finally how, had to. How long was recovery? 
Um, I was non-weight bearing for 10 or 11 weeks, somewhere around there. I had three fractures in the bottom of my tibia. And so he was like super cautious about uh, timeframes and like kept extending how long I couldn't use it. Um, and I finally got to start putting weight on it at the end of December, I think, um, early January. Um, yeah, even just like putting weight on it, like you hadn't used your leg. I'm sure other people have broken their leg though, but, uh, like just putting weight on it hurts so bad. All like nerve endings haven't been used to any of this for so long. And it's just like really painful, not the bone, but just like the nerve endings, I guess. And then the muscles are just completely wasted. So I can walk, um, without crutches for several weeks after that, like another month and a half or so after that. Just like physical therapy for three or four times a week. Um, just working on building the muscle strength back to even like just like step and stride normally. Um, yeah, I was like literally starting from zero. Um, yeah, it was emotional. I was really excited to put weight on my foot. And then I like as soon as I like got to, it was like I cried. It, I'm a big crier, if you can't tell. But uh, I cried. <laughs> I was like really excited. <laughs> But I also realized like how much work I had to do, you know, to not just get back to walking, but to running and to running like, well, uh, it would just seem so far off and impossible. So it was a emotional roller coaster for sure. Um, what was your yeah, first big race? What was your first big uh, race? My first return. big race. <laughs> it was a big one. It was the big one. It was Western States. Um, wow. So, so you, you broke your foot and then come back to western states and you had an amazing finish there too i mean that's that's oh thank a, you that's a huge accomplishment really so did you did you have a lot of nerves going into western states after that yeah that that was uh i like still am really timid on technical pieces and stuff like that and like um still don't totally trust myself or my legs or whatever i don't know like there's a lot of fear going back on the trail after something like that for me anyways um yeah and just not knowing like i don't know not many 41 year olds come back from zero and like do well you know so uh i just like took complete total self-doubt of like you know i don't belong i'm not i can't possibly get my fitness back i can't possibly be a good runner anymore um yeah and i hadn't had a chance to compete because i was like still just building back uh, I was like super pumped and excited that I got to go to Western States <laughs> and uh, like super nervous, but I had a terrible day. Honestly, I had an awful day at Western, like put the time in to like mentally be there for the day. And the first 30 miles of the course were all covered in snow, which, you know, in Georgia, we don't get a whole lot of that. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was rough. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, just like on, on top of the escarpment you get up there and it's just this ridge line forever just covered in snow trying to figure out where the markers are I, like one point i look around i'm like everybody's falling everywhere i fell like 30 or 40 times uh, i'm looking around at some point trying to find the markers and like everywhere in my peripheral vision everywhere everywhere i look there's people just like on the ground sliding into each other knocking other people down it was like total chaos and like, I didn't know what to do. I just like laughed and like looked at the guy next to me. And I was like, what is, what are we doing? You know? And so it was just like, everyone was just kind of teamwork and sweet. And like, everybody was trying to help each other find the course because the flags were covered in snow, you know, the trails covered in snow. And so, um, 
we were just like, this is it. This is where we are. We're in it. Um, yeah, that it was, it was a rough race for me. I was like emotional and like a really negative headspace for like the first half and just not, not in a good place. <laughs> but so when out. you were, um, when you, when you finished, uh, right. your rehab and your physical therapy and everything, did you, you know, you had all that self doubt and, you know, thinking you weren't going to make a comeback at, at 40 plus, did you, did you like go beyond your normal training? Did you push even harder trying to come back? I'm just curious, like, was, did you like overcompensate trying to bring yourself back to that level of condition? I think if left to my own devices, I definitely would have. Luckily, I have a coach who is very level-headed and um, can kind of help me control that urge to do that. And she's great. And, uh, like, she's a physical therapist herself, so I was, like, really able to help me, like, keep that under control and be smart. Um, we did ramp up. Like, the miles were a bit more than they were last year. Um but yeah, she definitely kept me controlled, which is nice because I probably would have gone way too hard. <laughs> yeah. It's nice to have someone to keep you in check. Yeah, for sure. You got that, don't you, Matt? I got that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now let's talk about the redemption story. So tell us a little bit about No Business this year. Um. So this year... I had like the best summer ever. So I had, I got to go to Western States. Um, my fiance and I went on this like really big camper van trip for a week out in California. I went to the Alps with my two best friends and we ran around uh, Mont Blanc for a week. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And I, then I went, my last trip was with some of the rabbit uh, girls and we went out to Utah and did like a little run camp out there. So I was like coming off this like incredible summer in a very good mental place not burned out from the heat here because I'd been able to travel everywhere. I was like really happy, positive, just like had some really good solid training. You know, a week in the Alps is pretty good bird training. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, <laughs> but just like happy. And I'd had some really strong training runs um, and felt and felt really fit and really good going into it. Um, I couldn't tell if I felt as good or better or worse than last year, but I was like really excited um, to go to the race. Like I've never been more determined to like go and have a good race. And I feel like I, I spent a lot of time with on the mental aspect where at Western States, I was in this like terrible place all day and I didn't want to repeat that. I like really regretted having that experience there. Um, and so I really wanted a different day at no business. Um, and I think I, I think I did that. Um, I was really happy all day. Um, I actually went, so one of my best friends, Holly is the girl that got second. Um, we ended up running like the first 30 miles of the day together, not really on purpose, but we run together all the time and we just kind of kept the same pace. Um, so it was really fun. So we were like within, you know, 20 yards of each other for the first 30 miles. And so kind of like having a pacer <laughs> for like 30 miles oh, of yeah. it, which really kept me like happy and excited uh, to be out there. And like, it was a lot more fun than I would have thought that would be. I thought it would stress me out and like m make me not focus on the race. Um, but it was like a perfect distraction for early on. Um, and then as we came in to Blue Heron, is when we started to kind of separate a bit. Um, I got to do that crazy, like gnarly climb or whatever it was that 
that like horse trail down to the river and uh, got to Blue Heron and I knew I was like just I saw Holly get out of the water like right behind me so I knew she was right behind me um and then I didn't know where the next people were I thought um Jill was in front of me and when I got there um Tim told me that I was in first place and I was like I don't think I am I think there's I think there's people in front of me so like I was surprised to learn that I was in first place there and I was like okay well here we are I had my game plan going into it was to just kind of sit back and be patient because I knew the there were so many like really competitive girls this year and I knew some of them are really fast runners um and so I my plan was to just sit back be patient do what I needed to do early and then halfway through was when I was going to start like okay now it's game time now I know what I feel like and what I have left and start chasing people down so I took first place earlier than I like planned on doing (laughs) so I was like okay well it's gonna be a long day of holding people off but that's okay um so I did that loop and came back and I told Tim to like let Tish text me at some point and let me know like what the gaps were and I was like I'll get cell service at some point and I'll, I'll like figure out where it is um, so he texted me later. I finally got cell service. Holly was five minutes behind me. Jill and I think Deanna, another girl, were like 15 minutes behind me. And he like, said, quote, like in their hunting, um, or whatever. He like overheard mm-hmm. them saying, let's go hunt people down. And so I was like, oh, shoot. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, game on. We got to go. So I just like really put a pep in my step. And like, uh, I was feeling fine. I was feeling strong. And, um, like in a happy mental state luckily that let me not get overwhelmed by like that competition but it kind of like mm-hmm. fired me up and got me going um so i was like okay well they're right behind me let's just see what kind of like gap i can put on them before the next aid station or before the next check-in or whatever um but yeah it uh you know the gap kind of like stayed around 40 45 minutes for a long time um and i had no idea where i was in the field overall um, actually when I got to, I forget what mile it was, like the sawmill maybe? It's some aid station out in the middle of nowhere. It wasn't a crude one. There's a, a couple of the volunteers who were like tracking numbers. Um, he just like looked like unemotionally, like looked at his clipboard and like looked over his little glasses at me and he was like, you're fifth overall. And I was like, oh, I had no idea. He, and then he was like, in fourth place, just left looking bad. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he was like, you can catch him. And I was like, okay. I was like, fine, I guess I'm going to go catch him. Um, so then I like, left. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I had no idea. I was like, up here. I thought I was like 20th. I thought I was way back. Um, and so that was like exciting and definitely gave me another little like thing to like, shoot for, you know? Um and so, yeah, I ended up passing two more guys um, before the end. And then coming into, like, the very last aid station, I saw a headlight. I had just come down a hill, was on this road, heading to, I think, Pickett. And uh, I looked up the hill, and there's a headlight coming. And I was like, oh, shoot, someone just chased me down. I was like, who is it? So I'm, like, panicking. And I'm like, oh, God, someone caught me. Um and then I was like running from this headlight forever. So I was like picking up the pace and trying to go. And then I realized like, well, after that, that it was the moon. It wasn't a headlight. Was, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like tired. <laughs> um, so then, then I got to pick it. And then I like found out that I had 
like increased my lead enough that I was very safe as long as I kept moving. Um, then I left there and immediately got lost again. I got lost like four times in the course. <laughs> um, I got lost again. I was like, man, I was like, I was doing good. And this is how I'm going to lose. Um, I was able to find it and get back. But um, yeah, there's just like no feeling like coming, coming around there and like getting to finish and not just finish, but like finish better than I thought I could. I wanted the win more than anything. And so I didn't know if I could get it because the field was pretty stacked this year. So I, but I wanted it, I think more than anybody wanted it. And so I think that kind of got me there, but that felt good. Yeah. That means a lot. If, if you want it, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Some people don't always have that same drive to want to, to want to run, you know, some people, if they saw a headlight behind them, even though it was the moon, um, (laughs) you know, they might've gave up. Whereas you, yeah. you know, you were still running. You wanted it that bad. Uh, did you know when you crossed the finish line that you were third overall? I knew by then, yeah. Um, when I, I didn't know until I got to the last aid station that that's where I was. And they told me there. Um, so I knew for that last section. But I didn't know how far behind the guys were. And so I didn't know if they were going to catch me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, amazing finish. Congratulations on being first female and third overall. I mean, just amazing. What what a comeback story. Uh, were you concerned at all about your foot? Was that in the back of your head? Yeah. Oh yeah, I bet that was a huge relief. It's uh it's funny, me and you had completely opposite years. So I had the year I had a good really good la- year last year. So, you know, I was I ended up being, you know, in the in the top and I ran really good in the beginning, but this year, um I was more of like your story last year. I've did not have a good race. I ended up falling at Laurel Hill and uh, messing my foot up and didn't finish. And, uh, and maybe, and maybe it's because we both turned 40. <laughs> maybe that's what it is. Cause I turned 40 this year and I fall at no business. So maybe that's what it is. Brian's going to have to put a warning. Yeah. Brian's going to have to put a warning sign up at no business. It says, if you're 40, what's your footing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah now i gotta wait till 2025 to go back and get my double buckle so uh so are you gonna are you gonna go back and get your double buckle oh you're fine (laughs) 
yeah. Mm-hmm. Just just let that other part go. Well, I may volunteer next year. I'm not running. I'm going to wait till 2025, but I'm trying to talk young Matthew here into <laughs> running next year and then doing the double bucket with me in 25. I will, I will, I will do it in 2025. He's got to get this approved with his coach first. 2025. Next year is, I've got it already set out for uh, a good marathon block <laughs> and some other, st- some other stuff, but it's, it's got four marathons I'm doing next year and with some trail stuff in between, but. So October will still be marathon training and maybe firewater again if I can figure that out. So Oh, there you go. I like the way Lauren thinks. We'll we'll do we're gonna do three early, like April and uh february i think february and april and then one in december it's going to be the four four marathons in tennessee uh chattanooga nashville knoxville and memphis and then next year they're not fun but i've never ran one i skipped marathons oh yeah well i've only done three (laughs) and all this other (laughs) crazy stuff we do uh so just a quick question before we move into all of the listener questions. Um, just curious, like for your training block, what do you, you know, how much time do you try to get? What's your mileage, your weekly, weekly mileage? And uh, what do you, you know, what is your favorite type of running when you're training? Like, is it threshold runs or slow pace? Just a couple questions. Just kind of, you know, tell us what you think. Mm. yeah those help you so much too but man do they hurt oh they hurt they definitely hurt (laughs) (laughs) well awesome well lauren we're uh i'm gonna turn it over to matt now um he is really bad about losing all these questions so i had to to save all these because we had two sections with a paper the very first podcast and we lost the paper. So then there was this odd silence while we're all on the floor <laughs> crawling around trying to find the paper. So, yeah, so, so now we just let Matt handle it through his phone. So, Oh yeah. I'll, now I'll I got him, him, him saved here. Uh, 
the first one was I think we I think we've covered some of this, but it's uh, when did you get into ultra marathons and uh, what was your first one? So I, th- I think we covered that earlier. Um, is that where the Instagram name come from? <laughs> and that is why she runs now. Yeah, when I saw your Instagram name, I was like, oh, that's awesome. Uh, see, this one was from one of uh, one of these athletes that actually ran one of our races, and she uh, evidently she follows you. She said, uh, way to freaking go, coming back after a broken ankle. How did you mentally prepare for the race? So, um, leading into that, someone wants to know, what is your why? What motivates you to do your best? I think, uh, I think Chris also said that same statement about his, his last couple of years. He said uh, what he could really do if you actually put his mind to it. And he's doing pretty good right now. Um, uh, yeah, and you, you met Chris at No Business. He was one of the uh, fourth or fifth people, I guess. he was. I that's who we were talking about that's fueled by Sour Patch Kids, by the way. <laughs> what are some things uh, you would do that made you successful in this race? I mean, that's, that's definitely a superpower is to run your own race and not get caught up in trying to be in the front. I still struggle with that. So, yeah, um, it is. Yeah. It's, it's a humbling experience sometimes. (laughs) And, uh, what would you do different if you, um, could do anything different in the race?
What what did you do when you figured out it was the moon? Did you start laughing? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and here is here are a few questions that I've thought up uh while kind of going over your stuff and stalking you and ultra sign up and your Instagram. Um, do you train uh any on the Benton Mackay Trail in Georgia? Because the, the Benton Mackay actually goes close to us, what, 15, 20 minutes? And so we've been starting doing some training up on it. Yeah, we we discovered uh, yellow jackets on our last outing. Yeah, big old yellow jacket nest. That Lisa. didn't turn out too well. <laughs> uh, it, just, it ended up with me and Matt being about a half a mile apart and Matt yelling, David! <laughs> Are you alive? Because, I didn't know if he was because I am up. slightly allergic and I got bit a lot and I didn't have my EpiPen, but I, I normally it takes a lot for that. So yeah, but it was so funny. He's like, David, are you alive? Yeah, because well, I went I went up the mountain and he went down the mountain and I'm hollering and I he's not responding. I'm like, oh, he's gonna swell up on me. He's swelling up on me and. uh Luckily, I heard him. I heard him coming back up the hill, and he's like, "You coming down? Am I going up?" I'm like, "Uh, we got like two miles to the top." And so he went around, and we dropped some goose. So when we came back down the mountain, we got the goose, and we stopped, and then we just as fast as we could right through it. I mean, the the nest was right in the middle of the trail. Oh yeah, it it got us. Those things are fun. <laughs> oh man those things are so bad i don't blame you no no they're awful um so the fkts you attempted the pin hody but i've also noticed you have a section of the at in georgia that you may be the fkt Mm-hmm. 
Do you think you'll ever go back and attempt the Pinhoti FKT again? Good. I like that. Good, awesome. Good. Um, so since you've done some East Coast races and some West Coast races, um, how do they compare? Are they more technical in the East or in the West? Oh, yeah. So out of all the races that you've done, uh, which one has been the hardest? Oh yeah, yeah. A hundred miles is never going to be easy. Hundred miles is hard. Yeah. Any any distance like that, any ultra, it's just you know, the, the even the different intensity and efforts, it's it's still hard and yeah. it's still mentally hard, you know. And that's that's the thing is, and what we were talking about earlier, it's like every race is different. You have to overcome something in every race, and it's usually something you've never experienced. And then you leave that race thinking. Right, I got this figured out. And oh, the yeah. next race, you get humbled and you figure Something it out. Like you know, and it's just it's just a constant fail, and then you know success, and it's just you just repeat, and it's the resilience to keep going. yeah we had we had ethan on here not too long ago ethan coffee and he said something that i thought was uh was really good and he said i was training well but not racing well and Man, that uh, that definitely hit me because that's kind of been my year all year. And that's one of those things like 
like you said, your, your struggle is different every race and it's, it's trying to figure that out. And sometimes it's just very humbling to, you know, realize that you, you may never figure it out, but it's the difference of being resilient and pushing through it. And, you know, it's, that's, that's the, that's the joy in it. You know, that's the work. Um, it's, it's the training that you put in and just because you're having good training in bad races doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that every race is going to be bad at some point. It's finally going to click, you know, just like no business did for you, you know, and that's, that's the joy. And then you can quickly get humbled again in your next race, you know, and it, and that's, that's, that's what I love about it. You know, it, it makes you, you know, it, it makes you or breaks you in every race. Yeah. And, you know, you walk into that race with an expectation. Yeah. And if you don't immediately start off in a good point, then, you know, you can easily get down and it can become a really long and hard day. And and that's the part that, you know, even I still struggle with is you go into that race with that expectation of, you know, I'm, I'm going to do good. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to run with the lead back. And that was very humbling for me this year. Like I was nowhere near the lead pack. Um, and it was just, it was a very humbling experience. And that's the thing that I love the most about it is I don't think you'll ever figure it out. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's where the training plays a good part because at least you experience some of that in the training. You know, you, you get brought back to reality. And, um, if, and if you don't feel that, you may not be training exactly right. So, <laughs> but, in, but, you know, I mean, we put so much stock into a race and we have that buildup and, you know, you have a lot of emotion and anxiety around it and you can build yourself up to like your A race. And that's a bad thing in a way to, to have an A race and throw all your eggs in one basket. And I think that's, you know, that's something that will humble you pretty quickly is mm -hmm. if you're, if you're building up for this one big race and you spend all year training for this one race and it goes bad, it can bring you down to the point of you don't want to run again. Yep. And that's the unhealthy part. Yeah. And that, that puts you in an unhealthy spot. So that, that's why I love your story too. Like, yeah. and with no business and, you know, breaking you, breaking your, did you break your foot, your ankle or your leg? Like where? <laughs> mm. Did you break it at that joint? Oh, mm. But I love that story because, I mean, you could have easily have thrown in the towel. You know, that, that doubt was in your head. Like, I'm 40. I'm not going to run again. I'm never going to be competitive. Now I'm going to have to start completely over. But you know what you did? Yeah. And, and look at you. I mean, look at what you come back and done. And look at Western states. And, like, 
that's having, you know, the emotion and the mentality and the bravery to step up and say, you know, I got this and I'm going to do it. And that's, that's where a lot of people just don't ever step up. They don't ever push themselves to do that. And I mean, that, that is determination. That is grit. And I mean, you, you did it and um, we're, we're extremely proud of you. We were talking about you the other day and we're just so happy for you. Mm-hmm. Well, you I'm sure you have a uh, very long career ahead of you and you have yeah, a yeah. I just love looking at your ultrasound up. I mean, y- you you it's, have a ton of achievements. Long. Uh, long. Just, I mean, excellent <clears throat> race results. And, you know, that's, that's a testament to your determination and grit. Yep. And, you know, I, I, it shows you put the work in. yeah you just you just need someone to put you right back on the path of reminding you who you are and what you've done that's awesome well lauren thank you so much for your time today um Love, love talking with you. And thank you so much for sharing your experiences with us. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, thank you for, you know, spending an hour with us and, and letting everybody know that, you know, the story of you last year to this year, you know, how one little thing, don't let it hold you down, you know, get back at it and you never know what could happen. And we hope to have you again on here in the future. Well, thank you, Lauren. You have, have a great day. Thank you.